The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Once when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered, The Messiah of God. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. O God, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. As parents of uh, two small children, my wife and I spend a fair amount of time during their waking hours, as well as ours, trying to figure out how to get them to do things we want them to do. Much of the time, this is uh, very mundane, not uh, big life and death kinds of questions, uh, how to get them down the stairs, how to get them dressed, how to get them into the car, how to get them out of the car, how to get them into the house, how to get them up the stairs, (laughs) how to get them ready for bed, and so forth. At our best, though, it also has to do with helping them learn how to treat one another kindly, that is to say, stopping fights, to get them to learn how to treat their parents kindly, as well as other people outside the family, friends and strangers alike. And the goal of all this, in addition to helping to maintain our own sanity, is to help them know that they are loved and valued by us and by God, and to help them grow into faithful, kind, respectful, and compassionate adults. I think you might be able to argue that the Apostle Paul saw himself in much the same way with his congregations. From what we can tell from his collected letters in the New Testament, he spends a fair amount of time refereeing disputes about how to follow Jesus in the context of everyday life. For sure, he works with lofty theological themes, but he's also very concerned about the day-to-day living out of the faith in the everyday lives of his flock. He wants them to know the power and love of God as revealed in Jesus and to learn how to serve God and neighbor better. Now, I think all this that we're talking about, this kind of guidance and um, 
oversight can come under the name of discipline. Discipline. And in the letter to the Galatians that we heard from a bit today, Paul actually uses the word disciplinarian to describe the role of the Jewish law. And if you're like me, as you heard that word, and as I was reading it for the first time, almost immediately there's a little switch that goes off. Closing my ears up, not interested. Disciplinarian, not interested. Which is not surprising, because for many of us, I suspect, when we first hear the word discipline, and even more so the word disciplinarian, the first thing that may come to our minds is punishment or one who punishes as an indisciplinarian. Which is too bad, even though it's understandable. It's too bad that that may be what first comes to our minds and maybe blocks everything else that comes after it out. Because discipline also means instruction. And by extension, a disciplinarian can be thought of as a teacher. Think about other meanings of the word discipline as well. It can mean an area of a subject matter, a particular area of expertise and experience. It can mean the regular practice of some activity or habit. And of course, the word disciple, which is another word for student, comes from the same root as the word discipline. So distinguishing between discipline as punishment and discipline as instruction, I have found very helpful. And I've been helped in seeing this distinction by Samuel Candler, who's the dean of the cathedral, Episcopal Cathedral in Atlanta. As Christians, we have a continuing need for discipline. Discipline in the sense of teaching, instruction, learning, in the history and practice of our faith, so that we can be all that we are meant to be by God. And we are fortunate here at Trinity, I think extremely fortunate, blessed, that there are many ways that we can be instructed or disciplined or discipled, if you will, in the faith. Hopefully we learn something about God in worship on Sunday mornings, something about God's love and pardon and strength. Especially during the program year, if you go downstairs into the undercroft and see what our teachers are doing with our children, you'll learn that there's discipline going on, teaching, instruction. Or look at the window, our uh, monthly newsletter, to see all that's going on in there, or on our website. Or if you look at the, some of the brochures on our welcoming table in the narthex in the back of the church, there are all kinds of opportunities for all ages here to be instructed, to be disciplined in our faith. But one of the ways we have the opportunity most regularly and most clearly to be instructed is by the crosses, by the crosses that we carry. In our gospel this morning, Jesus is very, very clear that the cross is one of the necessary parts of the syllabus, we might say, 
of our Christian life. In Luke's version, Jesus says we need to take up our cross daily and follow him. I take this passage to mean a couple of things. One is, is that it means that each of us in our lives has at least one, probably more than one, things going on that we would just as soon not have going on in our lives. We don't have to search far and wide for our crosses. We don't need to make some grand gesture of super-duper piety to find them. They're right under our noses. We would never choose them, and we can't make them go away. I take Jesus to be saying, I know you have that cross. I know you have it. Now pick it up. It's right over there. And I also take Jesus to be saying, after you pick up that cross, follow me anyway. I'll teach you how to learn from that cross. I'll teach you how to not see it as punishment, but as opportunity to learn more of who I am and how I work. When you pick up that cross, and follow me. I'll give that cross meaning and purpose. Your old life will die. It's true. But I will give you a life you didn't know you could have. In this sense, I think we can call Jesus the one who disciplines us, or perhaps more palatable who disciples us. Our crosses can be opportunities. Now, without a doubt, we can all of us, I'm sure, think of people who carry their crosses with bitterness and anguish, and with good reason. People suffer greatly in all kinds of ways. But I'm sure also that if each of us thought about it, we could think of people who carry extraordinary crosses and yet somehow they learn from them. They are disciplined by them into becoming more compassionate, joyful people who serve those around them. A cross properly carried ultimately contains the possibilities of life, not only death. And particularly, I would say, for a follower of Jesus, a cross always has the possibility of resurrection. Now, in no way is Jesus flip about this. By all accounts, he knew something, a great deal, in fact, about suffering. But he also knew quite a bit about joy and about bringing joy and healing to others. It's no accident that he had a reputation for being something of a partier, for being at the center of where the action was. He knew what joy was in all circumstances. Make no mistake, discipline that crushes and demoralizes is punishment. But the discipline that Jesus gives, this discipline gives life 
and life abundant and life everlasting. Thanks be to God. Amen.